Awesome. Look at that. What's love got to do with it? Good old Tina Turner. Well, very exciting. I can feel it. I can feel it. It's uh, really wonderful to be amongst some of the most faithful people. Look at you guys. It stormed, it snowed, but you're here. And look what happened. The sun came out because it's blessing you. You know, I, I just want to thank you for even coming. I, I'm just privileged to have just a moment to share a bit of my heart. Uh, before we jump into it and hear what love has to do with it, um, I just want to pray real quick. So, Father God, I just love you. I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that he just made everything in my life possible, and he makes everything in these lives possible. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that these are the times and the moments that you're going to stir, that you're going to move, and that you're going to speak, God. So we pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, we're going to jump into one of my most favorite portions of Scripture. It's in Luke 15, 11, 11 to 32, and it's about the parable of the lost son. I love this parable just because... I kind of relate to it. Not that I was really an away word person or anything, but I just always find that when I find myself wandering away, all of a sudden God's like pulling me back and he's always saying, you're welcome. You're here. So we're just going to read through Luke 15. Not the whole chapter, just a good chunk of it. So I love you so much that we've got it up on the screen. So... If you did bring your Bible, you can turn to your Bible. But if you didn't, take notes, underline this, this portion, because I believe that there's a prophetic edge that's going to come out of this today. Um, Jesus didn't share this just because it sounded good, but because there's purpose behind it. So, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Wow, that's pretty harsh. So his father agreed to, to, to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this son, this younger son, packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and a man sent him into his fields to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, 
Bring the finest robes in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and a sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back and squanders all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. When we have had to celebrate, the, we had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I think probably one of the things that stick out the most in this scripture is when he was returning to his father. Um, and his father was sitting there watching. You know, it says that he saw him a long way off and he was watching. And uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a, a story uh, would have been my, you know, early adult adult years. There was this very beautiful girl that kind of caught my attention. And I was working at, you know, Heritage Christian Academy at the time, and they had a second floor area, or a second floor that had windows that kind of looked almost 360 degrees out. So, you know, I knew what car she drove, so I'd be, you know, at a certain time, I knew I'd be there, because I knew, I knew at like around 4.45, she would show up at this school. So I'd sit there, and I'd be watching and waiting, and then, oh, oh, there she is, there she is, and all of a sudden, there was this anticipation and excitement that was inside of me that I knew, okay, I can, I can, I can see her coming, so I can run by the door and be like, hey. Fancy meeting you here. <laughs> Hence, that was the early days of Moira and I. But, you know, there, there, was, there was that sense of excitement and joy. And I, 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 think, I think what it was in verses 20 to 21, the father had this love where when when the son decided so he would return, to, return home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. The father had a love inside of him. Even though he knew he had left and taken what was his, he always knew inside of him that there's going to be a time when he returns. There's going to be a time when he's coming back, right? And his love was always watching. His love was always looking. And that's what love has to do with it is we're always watching, we're always looking, and Jesus does the same thing for us. He's always watching, he's always looking, right? And see, the son had to come to a place of repentance before he would return, 
But, you know, with the father seeing him so far off, there, there was, there's this word that comes out of this, which is called homecoming, right? And see, the, the father saw him coming and feel, being filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And then his, and then his son repented, right? And it wasn't, like, it wasn't like the father said, well, you need to fix this before you can come back in. He was like, no. I know because you returned that you are here, that you are, are wanting to come in. He wasn't like, you need to, you need to figure all this stuff out. And, that, and one of the things that always bugs me the most is when I hear people say, oh, you know, my child is so far from God. And I'm like, no, they're not, right? Because the thing is, is as soon as they come to that place and turn around, God is right there. They don't have to do anything to get all the way back to where they started. God will meet you where you are because love has so much to do with where you are that God will chase you, right? You know, and it is, I, I love what Norma said. She goes, she drives all the way from the west to the east, right? And as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God removes your sin from you, right? By the way, Norma, you might have to repent living over on the west side. You know, us from the east side, you know. Anyway, I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> but there's going to be uh, a couple pictures here that I want to throw up. And uh, it has to do with homecomings. And I thought it was really fitting that because, you know, this is Remembrance Day tomorrow. And this is the time that we think back to uh, soldiers, you know, coming home. And a lot of them never, ever made it home. And how many parents were always watching and waiting for the news. And then all of a sudden they see the gentleman dressed in certain uniforms that would, you know, knock on a door. And it's just like the dread that would come across. But there's these pictures that you see of pure emotion, right? And so when the father ran and saw him and he was filled with love and compassion, embraced him and kissed him. You know, we've got a father and son here. And it's just, it's so powerful when you think about how, you know, the emotions are so strong. The love is there. We can just go to the next slide. You know, sometimes it's even just breaking protocol. You know, these soldiers are here in the regiment, but the family is so excited to see their dad, to see their husband, that they run and break protocol. And you can see the joy in their faces, right? Love and compassion. Love has everything to do with it. We'll move to the next one. See, there's nothing. It's just like, I don't want to let go. And that's where the father was just, he had this anticipation, this preparation in his heart where he never was going to let go because he knew there was a return. And we can go to the next one. Right? The embrace. The embrace is so strong that, you know, it... it it, it, it ushered in that forgiveness where, where the son just knew that I didn't have to do anything more. I just had to come. We'll go to the next slide. See, you know, the son just run, or the daughter in this one, but the son was just running towards his father. And then the last one. See, it's just pure emotion. And I think, you know, as 
as we look at our lives, and, and each one of us have had a moment where, you know, someone maybe has been away, or we haven't seen someone, or maybe someone was a prodigal and they came back. There's just that pure emotion that comes in. And I, and I believe in this scripture, there's, like I said, there's a, there's a, a prophetic edge that's coming out of it. There's a prophetic word. And, and the, the prophetic word that comes out of it is a homecoming. And I, I believe us as a church, we need to be like that father where we're always preparing. We're always, we're always watching and waiting for the, the prodigal son, you know, or the prodigals to come home. And, and when I close my eyes and I think about it, I, 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 see, I see revival coming through prodigals. I see, I see valleys with dry bones having life brought back into them. And it all has to do with us loving and watching. And, and it doesn't just start, stop at that watching. Sometimes it's as much as we just need to be praying. We just need to have consistency. And, you know, it says it in Scripture that we pray without ceasing. And, and I believe that love has everything to do with it. That if, if you actually love somebody enough that you're going to lay, lay a portion of yourself down, you're going to lay yourself down to a place where you're going to be praying. Like, you're just like, oh, I can't stop this. But, like... I, I see, I see people coming back. I see God is actually doing something o- over our nation, over our cities, our towns, but even over the world, where we're seeing the most unlikely people coming. You know, I, 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 I have a friend that mocks and jokes about Christianity. He publicly puts it out on Facebook. He'll put it on my Facebook page. He'll put it on my wife's. But I see him being one of those guys, radically transformed, to someone that mocks and puts disgrace to Christianity, to being a pastor and leading a mighty move of God. Right? I see people that are struggling with addictions and, 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 and abuse coming to a place of freedom where they're pulling people out of prisons. They're pulling, they're pulling, the, they're pulling people out of the prisons and setting captives free. I, I see people that are depressed and people that are brokenhearted, people that, you know, their, their, their minds are so bombarded that a joy, a joy and a peace will be flowing and sweeping through them and that they, again, will be just unlocking prisoners. And I believe that God would be pouring out a spirit, like he says in Malachi. I believe that he's going to restore restore relationships. In Malachi, it says that he'll return the hearts of fathers to their sons and sons to their fathers. But it's actually not just going to be that. It's going to be husbands to wives. It's going to be transformation to marriages. It's going to be transformation to relationships with children. It's going to be from parents to grandparents to every generation because God says he's faithful to every generation. And I believe that this will manifest in the body of Christ. I believe that we're going to see this in our days. I believe that it's something that we need to anticipate and prepare for, right? And so, I, I, you know, what has love got to do with it? I think it's how we contend. It's how we love. It's how we pray. But I believe it's also how we procreate, like how we prophesy into it and how we're going to prophesy into the body of Christ that we're going to see this mighty move of prodigals coming back. And see, that's where it is, you know. 
We, we push. We pray until something happens. That's totally 1999 right there. But you know what? We push until something happens, and we pray without ceasing. You know, when, when we go to the next uh, set of verses, uh, 22 to 24, this is, this is, this is where I, I'm like, ooh, okay, we got something going on here. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robes to the house and put it on him. Get a, ringer, uh, uh, get a ring for his finger and sandals for, for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began, right? So the party began. You know what that means? That means we're going to be celebrating. That means we're going to be excited, right? But here's the thing, right? So the father in the first few, in the few, few verses before that, he was always watching. He was always waiting. He just knew. He knew, right? But it shows that he was already preparing. He said, go kill the calf that we have been fattening, right? He, he just didn't say, well, I just thought we would fatten a calf one day. He's like, no. There's a purpose why we need to do this. There's something that we need to be preparing for. There's something that we need to do, right? And I, I, I believe that the father was planning for the son's returning, and I believe that's the same thing that we need to be doing in our hearts. We need to be doing something where we need to be planning for the returning of prodigals. We need to be planning, and, and I believe... And it's something that, you know, Olivia said so many times, and I've heard it in other places, but there's a physical obedience that brings a spiritual release. And sometimes it could be just as simple as, you know what, I'm going to pick up the phone because Pastor Shand has said that we're expecting prodigals, and I know someone that just is hitting my heart right now. And the physical obedience that's bringing spiritual release could be you just making that phone call saying, hey, I love you, I'm thinking about you, Let's go for lunch, right? The Holy Spirit's going to take care of the rest. It, it has nothing to do with you just being obedient and stepping out and saying, hey, you know what? It could even be something as simple as maybe you've got this room at your house full of junk and you just need to clean out that room and set up a bed and set up a dresser because you don't know what God is going to do. But there's a, there's a, there's a physical obedience that's going to bring a spiritual release. And I believe that as we step out in that obedience, that the release is going to come in. You know, for me, I'm, I always pray from side to side, front to back, that this place would be filled and not just one service, multiple service. And I believe the same thing over Strathmore, that, that we're going to have to shift the way we set up our, our gym and we've got a wonderful Ralph here that gives us such good direction and wisdom that he's going to be like, why are you doing this to me? And I'm like, hey, you know what? You need to take it up with God because we're filling up a gym with like four or 500 people. And that won't be just one. That will be multiple services. Get ready. Man. Let's see. There's that spiritual release of lost people. You know, there's going to be parents, there's going to be kids, spouses, uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews, brothers, it could be sisters, it could be anyone. But I think it's all about getting the ingredients together so we can turn that one on. And it all starts with how do we love in that? See, that father, 
he loved so much that his faith never gave up. He, never, he, he had so much faith that he knew his son would not only return, but there would be a repentance that came, right? And that's, that's one of the things is we want to see not just return of people, but we want to see a repentance and a transformation where, where people are like, my life was going this way, but all of a sudden I stopped, I turned around, and God immediately pulled me this way. Repentance means a whole 180-degree turn from the life you were living, right? See, in that story, his love didn't put his son so far away that he had to work his way back into the home. Grace was given. And in Isaiah 61, 7, it says, Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Right? There's no shame. There's no dishonor. You know, maybe you know that prodigal. Maybe it could be, you know, someone that's related to you. But it's not about, okay, well, we need to... We need to deal with this because you did A, B, C, D. Don't, don't put that kind of a name on them. Just love them. God, God is the one that's going to take them. You just have to be that one that's just, hey, I love you. I'm here, and I'll walk you through it, you know. I have quite a few struggling alcoholic friends, and I think one of the biggest things I see with them is people that just like, oh, I, I can't deal with this. You know, what you're doing ruins and is wrecking and damaging my relationship or my family or, or whatever they're putting onto it. And it breaks my heart because what they need is someone just to kind of come up behind them and say, hey, I'm behind you. Not saying that, you know, I'm behind you because I want to see you continue drinking. I am like, no, I'm behind you that if you're going to fall back, I'm here to hold you up. I'm here to push you forward. I'm here to support you, right? And that's, and that's sometimes what maybe the prodigals need is just someone to say, hey, I'm behind you, right? It's just that moment of love and that touch. And that's what love has to do with it. It's just, you know, it comes in, it sets up a standard. It actually will bring restoration, right? So in Ephesians 3, it talks about how Jesus has love, or Jesus' love has breadth, length, height, depth, right? And I'm just going to read a little excerpt um, from a book called uh, Destined to Win by Chris Vallotton. If you haven't read that book, it's pretty awesome. Um, it's just got a lot of good wisdom in there, but this is what I'm going to read, and it has to do with Ephesians 3. So, the love of Jesus is multidimensional. It has breadth. It is an extensive, all-encompassing ocean of adoration that surrounds you with compassion and woos you with admiration. It covers you in dark season and protects you, and protects you through the night. It greets you in the morning and smiles on you through the day. It is captured at dusk and expressed at dawn. It is hope to the discouraged and peace to the lost. The love of Jesus has length. It goes the distance. You can't fall so far that it can't touch you, run so fast that it can't get you, or hide so well it can't find you. 
His love is better than your worst day, stronger than your most defiant will, and more forgiving than your cruelest sin. When you give up, love goes on, and when you fall down, it picks you up. Love is courage to the fearful, hope to the helpless, strength to the weary, and wealth to the impoverished. Love goes the distance. The agape love of Christ has height. It exceeds all your expectations. Paul is so empathetic about the dimensions of God's love, he emphasizes it in the next verse when he writes, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. If you ask for it, love has more. If you thought it, love takes you higher. If you dream big, love dreams bigger. If you aim high, love aims higher. You dream of family, love dreams of a legacy. You ask for a job, love finds you a destiny. You hope for peace, love longs for a ministry. You who pray for heaven, love gives, you, love gives you his city. Go ahead, think really big. Oh, you're thinking too small, for love has already thought bigger than you. God's love has depth. It is intense, complex, profound, and able to penetrate your soul. Love's relation perpetually unfolds as you peer into his substance and experience its pleasure. Love is like poetry that awakens the mind so to color so, visit, so vivid and beauty divine, like an ocean so deep or a university so fat or a universe <laughs> so vast it beckons to be discovered and longs to be grasped. Mysteries and wonders unfold at your feet as you walk in his love. Your fear is defeat. Deeper and deeper you tumble into God's enriched by his goodness and changed by his love. The depth of his mysteries is hard to explain for the ocean that is around you is in you just the same. It is so powerful when you think and actually have an understanding of what God's love is. Um, I... I, I, I I always love praying this, this mindset, but this was actually Ruth Graham. Uh, this was Billy Graham's wife, and uh, she has said, God's investment into her kids are greater than hers ever could be. God's love would always go further and is more invested than our love, and God's love brings us back. And she said that just because at different points in her lives, a few of her kids would go and do, you know, things that, you know, that their parents didn't want them to do. But she always knew and trusted that God's love was always stronger than what hers was. So she knew that if, if I'm hurting, how much more God's hurting over what's happening in this. And I, and I, I, I believe... I believe that, you know, God, God, or Jesus gave this commandment that, you know, well, actually, he was more, he was more asked, you know, what's, what's the most important commandments? And he said, you know, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and all your soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think sometimes the hardest part is actually the very last, is how do we love ourselves? And I think if you don't actually get a grasp of what Ephesians 3 says, that God loves you so much that it's like an ocean. There's just like almost no end to it, right? Like you can't measure 
the amount because it's just always moving and shifting. And, and, and God's love over you is so encompassing. Like if you were to throw yourself in the middle of the ocean, you wouldn't be able to survive because there's just so much. And, that's, and I, I, I think it's hard for some people to get past God's love for me is this. And I think once you release that in you, then you'll realize, oh man, like I have so much love on me that I can share this with everybody. And that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit always wants to do. He wants to fill you up so much that wherever you go, you're just dripping and drenched and the Holy Spirit's following behind you. And, and, and there's, there's circumstances being changed and that's how love has everything to do with it. And see, we move, we move to the last chunk of Scripture. Um, it's verses uh, 25 to 32. And this, this is one where I kind of relate with this one too, unfortunately. So meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. All right, hold on a second. Pentecostal churches never believed in music and dancing. But you know what? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Right there, when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what is going on? And the servant had replied, your brother is back. He was told, he, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all, the year, all these years I slaved for you and never once Refuse to do a single thing you told me to do. In all that time, you never gave me even more than a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by, fill, by killing the fattened calf. But his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. You know, for me, it's easy to relate to this brother's response of his brother's return because, you know, it's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've just been faithful. I've always been doing what you've asked me to do. And, and you went and gave this guy already his share, but now you've welcomed him right back in here. And you, you, you've said, oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Like, it's all good. Like, here, let, let me give you the best of what I have. Let me give you the calf I was fattening. Let me, let me put new, a new robe and new sandals and a ring on your finger. Right? And you're just like, I just got ripped off. Right? He already took his share of, of, of the inheritance, and I've been working to build my inheritance and doubled it, and he just he threw it off on, on silly girls. Like, no. No way, I, I, this is not fair, this is not right, right? But the thing is, is there was a jealousy that, that came in, right? And we have to be very careful on the jealousy that comes in. And it was actually just this week, these words got put in so perfectly. You know who you are that said these, but you know what? Jealousy is that feeling of being displaced, pushed out, invisible, overlooked, forgotten, passed over. The spirit of jealousy sets in, creating a displaced and insecure feeling. And jealousy will enter in as a misunderstanding. And see, that's where the brother, he allowed that jealousy to come in and fill him. 
He allowed it to come in. And see, that's where we got to be careful of the trap. There we are. If you've never watched Star Wars, you need to repent and go watch, because then you'll understand who this guy is. I, I, I think his name is General, General Akbar or something like that. I can't remember. But anyway, see, jealousy can land you in a trap, right? This, this, this mindset the brother can, has can land you in a trap, and you've got to be careful because it's unreal how it can actually just shift you to a different, a different place. It's going to... And to be honest, jealousy is actually murder in diapers. That's the best way to saying it, of saying it. That spirit of jealousy is where you can be like, oh, I hate this. And, I, and you know what? And that's just the small version of where murder comes in. And I'm not saying that you're going to become murderers if you have a bit of jealousy in you. But you got you to gotta not let it have territory. You got a lot you got a lot more that God wants to do. So it's just handing that down. It's just coming, coming to the altar, right? And there just seems to be so much division lately. And, like, you can go on Facebook. You can go on TV. It's all over our news. Like, we just had an election, and it's, like, it's, it's actually mind-blowing, some of the crazy things that are being said and coming out of it. And you got to be careful not to get stuck in that trap. Because, you know, there's, it seems to be that there's being more and more people being excluded because they don't agree with one person's opinion. Like, there, there's a group of people that are trying to leave Alberta, right? And I'm just like, you know, unity needs to be one of these things, right? And, and there was a quote by Witt Tolan. It says, the devil is the chief divider. He knows where there is division, or he knows where there is division, no power can flow. And if we want to see a country where God has dominion from sea to sea to shining sea, that it would be a place where there's absolute unity. And that's some of the things that we need to be even praying over our country. And that's where love comes into it. You know, our country actually is like a prodigal. We need to be praying to see a return uh, of the move of God coming into it, right? You know, when we sing our national anthem, we, we hear God keep our, our, our land glorious, strong, and free. Like, that, that's, that's huge, right? But, but, you know, sometimes these traps get a hold of us, and, and it, it's, imme- it's immediately obvious that when this comes in that, you know, well, I, I, can't, I can't love this person because they think this way or I can't agree. We, we, we lose sight of where Jesus said, you know what, we're going to love the lost. We're going to, you know, if there's even one lamb that's, that's, you know, gone, do I not leave the 99 and go get the one? And I think if, I, I think if, we, if we look at it this way, we can't stop loving people because we don't agree with them. We have to love even when it's difficult, right? You know, I'm not saying that you have to agree with everyone and just be one of these, you know, like, yeah, that sounds good, you know. Oh, sharks are dangerous. Yeah, I agree, but they're so majestic. Oh, yeah, they're so majestic. Like, you know what? You, you can have an opinion. You can have a preference, right? But don't let that be one of those things where it's just like, no, this is it, you know, other than Jesus, right? Jesus, no, this is it, you know, we're, we're not going anything past that, but it's not like, you know, 
I think if you voted a Green Party or whatever, right, like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't talk to you. You know what? That, that's silly stuff, right? You know, Jesus says that you need to be people that love, right? And when you, when you think of John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. But it's the second verse, Right? It's 17 that really, really comes in. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent him to save the world through him, right? And that's, that's the thing. You know, we, the brother was sitting there condemning and jealous, and he's just like, oh, you know, look at him. He's, he's worthless, right? And that's, you know what? Jesus didn't come to do it. So that's, more, that's not our job to do it either, Right? Our job is to be an example and Christ-like and to be someone that, you know, exudes the character of Christ, right? We're not there to, to condemn someone. I'm not there to judge you whether, you know, you've come from a broken family or, or maybe you're an alcoholic or a gambler or a drug addict or, or depression has just got you so low. You know what? I, I want to be there that I could actually say, hey, I know a place where we're getting life and you're coming with me. Come on, let's go, right? But I believe that we need to be preparing for a homecoming. I believe that there's, there's, there's going to be a shift over, over our city, over our towns, over, over our country. And it's not just going to be in C3 Church. This is going to be in churches all around. And... And I believe that this is something that we need to be actually preparing for as a homecoming. Because if we're not watching, we're going to miss out on something that God is going to bless over, right? He's going to be looking at those people that, that were always, you know, diligent with their work. You know, he, he's going to be looking for that servant that, that took his five talents and, and invested it, not the one that says, well, I'm just going to bury it over here. He's going to look at you and say, because you were watching, you're my good and faithful servant, right? He's going to bless you. He's going to, he's going to put you above all because you were the person that shifted situations, that transformed. So don't be like this guy. You don't want to see this guy popping up. It's a trap, but you know what? Maybe this good visual that if you do catch yourself in that place where you're just like, oh, you know, I don't, I, I think this person's an idiot. You know what? Stop. That's a trap, right? He, the enemy just wants division to set in. He wants, he wants you to actually have no power, to have no authority, to have no, no, no stance in that situation. So, I think um, this morning we've still got maybe three minutes. Uh, I think if you, we're going to pray for two things today. If you have someone that is just on your heart that, you know, I wish, I wish the love of God could just change their situation and bring them back. We're going to pray for that. But the other one is, is maybe you've got that heart where it's just like, oh, man, I just can't get past this. Like, there's, there's hurts that are there that won't allow me to get past that. I haven't got to that place of forgiveness. I haven't got to that place of, of reconciliation.
And see, Jesus wants to be like that. Jesus is that father in that story. He's like, it doesn't matter. And I think reconciliation is one of the one of the most healthiest things that you'll see in any kind of relationship. It, it's something that that you know God pour, said He'll pour out. He said He'll turn hearts back to from parents back to their children. And the enemy doesn't want you to have unity. He doesn't want you to have. He doesn't want to have you to have any kind of wholeness. So, if in one of those two areas where you're struggling with, or you, you know someone that just is a prodigal, and you're just like, I've been praying, and I feel like I'm not seeing any return, I'll have you stand up. But if you're also that person where it's just like, man, I, I, feel, I feel my heart is struggling, I feel that the hurts have gone deep, I feel that, you know, I'm not seeing a release on me, then we'll have you stand up and I'm going to pray over both people. And then if I could have the prayer team just be ready, if you need to pray with somebody, um, you can come up. They're going to pray with you. But we're just going to, we're just going to open this time for the Holy Spirit just to, to do a work and do a move. And we'll see, we'll see you know, God's a family. You know, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he wants to see unified family. And see, we're the body of Christ. And we need to be, we need to be those people that are always building each other up. You know, I've got a son that's got um, an autoimmune disease. And what that is, is where the body is actually battling itself. It's fighting itself. And that's, that's what we want to pray against, is that there's, there's that autoimmune disease inside the body of Christ that we're not battling against each other, but that we're coming into, into connection. So Holy Spirit, right now, I believe that you're wanting to shift and change circumstances. God, I believe right now that you're working on hearts. You could be working on hearts in this room. Maybe even the hearts that will be listening to this online later. But I also believe that you're working on hearts outside of this church. And I believe that there's mothers, there's fathers, there's husbands and wives, there's children, uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces, whoever it is that we've been contending for could be our best friend. But God, I pray that not only are we going to be people that are always watching God, but God, that we are people that will actually have a physical obedience to see your spiritual release come on those situations. That you're going to be the one that creates standard, creates clear paths, sets things straight, God. God, that your love will go always further. It will always win over what our love could even possibly be. But God, that there would be just an outpouring of your Holy Spirit and that love would be the substance that comes out of this house, God. 
God, that there is going to be a shift and a move in mindsets, God. And God, I pray even where hearts have just small, small hurts, God, or maybe they're big hurts, God, but now that they've been stuck in a trap, that there's a jealousy, a resentment, God, that you're going to release it, God. God, we're praying a forgiveness even over that kind of stuff. We're praying that there is going to be just a peace that comes in right behind that, God, and fills us, God. God, where where our hearts maybe are a little hardened, God, God, that maybe in these moments right now that your Holy Spirit is softening them, God. God, that you are going to, to just shift that, God. And God, maybe... Maybe as, as you're doing things right now, God, that the release of your Holy Spirit, that the release of your, of your gifts, God, would start to flow right now, God. God, I pray that you're preparing our hearts for the homecoming of prodigals, that this will happen in these seasons to come that this not only will be a house of love, but it will be a house that extends grace and and abundant love, God. Let this be a house that is of celebration, of restoration, reconciliation, and forgiveness. A house that everybody is welcome. Let that be the same over Strathmore. Let that be the same over every church in Calgary and in the areas around Calgary. But above all, let Jesus be the cornerstone. Let his name be the one that is above all situation, above depression, above jealousy, above sickness, above above addictions, God. God, I know that you want a healthy, a healthy body of Christ. So God, I'm praying against that autoimmune mentality that because this church does that and this church does this, that they can't be in partnership. But God, don't let that be a trap. Don't let that be something that we can fall into. Don't let our mindsets be a place where we can just not agree and not love someone because they don't follow our our viewpoints or our preferences, God. But God, let us be someone that is like Jesus that every day you're transforming us, every day you're shifting us from a place of uh, uh, of selfishness to a place of selflessness, a place of serving, a place of love. So I thank you again for what your Holy Spirit's doing this morning and will do this afternoon. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Like I said, it was a wonderful just being here with the most faithful people in town.